you also give me cues. Like, you know, for instance, if you want to jump in and say something, like maybe do this on the table. So let me tell you something. I tried now the neighborhood. Right now, you are not in the academy anymore. Alex, I'm going to take the pages away from you. I can fucking hear it. You can hear it. I can hear it. You can hear it. Don't want to make any noise. Don't worry. Don't worry. Forget about the paper. Don't worry. Be happy. We have a doctor in the house. A doctor and a lawyer. This is a Jewish mother's father's are we starting wet dream girl we started before he's already going to use <laughs> that stuff hi welcome to october 7th emotionally raw coverage from door comet and me amy sapan it's december 21st and it's the 76th day of the war it's thursday around 1 p.m we're in door's apartment and joining us here is Dr. Alex Ivanchik. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you too. As if we haven't met before, <laughs> almost a decade ago. Almost a decade. When you were living in Tel Aviv. Yes. I'm very excited before we get into like your bio bio. This is just a Jewish parent's wet dream. <laughs> a doctor, a lawyer together. What else could anyone be asking for, right? Right? Right. Anyway, so... You guys, for our loyal listeners, may remember episode 11, recorded on October 19th, originally titled Captagon Question Mark, renamed Bad Drugs, Good Drugs. In that episode, we explored a hunch that came in from a friend in New York, and that friend was Alex. And Alex and I got into it in October, and she was like, I have a hunch that the Hamas terrorists were fucked up on a synthetic methamphetamine called Captagon. And then I started digging and we recorded. And that night, boom, news report came out that indeed they found terrorists with bags of Captagon on them. So you're not only a doctor, but you're also like a prophet. Um, I'll give a brief bio on you or would you like to do that? The wonderful thing with you is that we can exchange all kinds of ideas. <laughs> Right. We can talk about going to the beach, going to the shuk. And then all of a sudden, Amy's brain turns into this super mega power, like hyper connected intellectual, uh, intellectual human being. And so there's such a range of topics that we can cover. And I think our friendship is really beautiful in that way, because when I started thinking a little bit about what I was seeing as a clinician right away, I thought I emailed you, I texted you on Facebook, I think. And I said, you know, you're the person that I want to talk to about this because you're receptive to ideas that haven't been put out there yet. We have our first sponsor. Woo. Someone heard Woo. your declaration. The, the, you know, the one that you made like 20 episodes ago. Remember very well. So someone heard it. Not only did someone hear it, you were like, Explicitly making that declaration. I was like, you know what, Dor? Don't just make your declaration to the people in New York. But no, you were like, anyone in New York, if anyone can hear me, just take me. So people reached out to us from New York. They're not going to take you anywhere, but they are our first sponsor. And this is super exciting. Like, I just, it's like, really pinch me. I'm shiny. So today's episode is brought to you by 
this fantastic sponsor, Zahav Jewelry. You guys know what Zahav means? It means gold. And there's that expression, all that glitters is not gold. But Zahav Jewelry, everything they make is solid gold. Not plated gold, solid gold. You think now as we became advertiser, we should do like everything with this kind of voice? Or we should, can be just regular people who speak about jewelry? I'm just staring at the word jewelry and I'm like, wow, did Jews put the Jew in jewelry? Alex is a board-certified adult and child and adolescent psychiatrist. She graduated from Brown University with a degree in neuroscience and completed medical school right here in Tel Aviv at the Sackler School of Medicine at Tel Aviv University. After she was in Tel Aviv, she went back to New York for her residency and fellowship in adult and child and adolescent psychiatry at Montefiore Medical Center Einstein School of Medicine in New York City. Alex specializes in early childhood development, systemic and intergenerational trauma, and she treats children and adolescents suffering from mood and anxiety disorders, PTSD, ADHD, first break psychosis, and other pathologies. She has presented at psychiatric conferences nationwide and is the recipient of the Davidoff Teaching Award at the Einstein School of Medicine. Holy guacamole, Alex, what an honor and a treat for you to be here with us today. No, thank you for having me. So I'd love to get into Captagon. And before we do, there was something that just came to mind when we were having that call back in October, where I was like, you're a psychiatrist in New York, like in the Bronx. Like, how do you know about this like illicit substance that's being manufactured in Syria and Southern Europe? Like, what's your deal? Why are you reading about these illicit substances to begin with? Maybe that could be a great intro into this story today. Sure, sure. So first of all, right, as a psychiatrist, we're always thinking about what are the psychoactive substances that are affecting your brain? They have ramifications on our bodies, right? We love neurotransmitters and, um, and psychopharmacology. And drugs are all about affecting your brain and affecting your body. Now, the context is that I work a lot in the emergency room. And in the Bronx, there's a lot of substance use disorders. We're actually, unfortunately, a hotbed of opioid overdoses. We see a lot of, I see a lot of uh, crystal meth intoxication. I work with patients who are acutely psychotic from numerous, numerous drugs, usually mixed all together. And so, you know, this is my clinical expertise. When I see patients who come into the ER, I treat them for, for these conditions. And so when I first saw the raw footage live on October 7th, it was very clear to me that something was completely off. And that's why I reached out to you. So I'm so happy you did, by the way. And I'm so happy that you're here in Tel Aviv. It's been almost a decade since we saw each other in real life. Mm -hmm. So this is really a treat. Let's start with the basics, if you will. What is Captagon? Where is it from? What kind of substance is this? What does it do? If yeah, you could just sure. So Captagon was actually initially created by a German lab in the early 60s. And it's a combination of uh, an amphetamine and theophylline. So these two compounds have been, you know, widely used for decades. Theophylline is a medication that's used for asthma. It's a medication that's used for chronic obstructive pulmonary disorders. We COPD, you know, patients who smoke a lot and they need a little bit of expansion of their blood vessels in their lungs. 
And amphetamines, of course, you know, widely used street drug, but also the class of medication that I use on a daily basis that I prescribe to patients who have ADHD, right? Now, Captagon is like an atomic bomb of all those things squashed together. And in the early 60s, people, uh, people started using Captagon because it was, hopefully, at the time, they were trying to develop a medication that was to treat narcolepsy, right? Which is a sleep disorder of uh, lack of wakefulness. So people get, you know, they fall asleep during the day. They were trying to treat depression. They were trying to treat people. Pe we didn't have a lot of drugs in the 60s, psychiatric drugs, right? That came a little bit later at the end of the 20th century. And so when you start a drug, when you put a drug out on the market for a certain reason, you start seeing perhaps some good effects. And then after a little time, you usually start seeing a lot of side effects. And so Captagon was very quickly taken off the market. Really, I want to emphasize that. For a reason that we now know, it causes lethal side effects. It can cause arrhythmias, right? An arrhythmia, you know, I'm really going to stay away from, try to stay away from medical jargon here. But an arrhythmia is when the electric activity in your heart is completely erratic and it causes a heart attack, right? We were seeing seizures. So very quickly, the drug was taken off the market and it became classified in the, you know, later on by the World Health Organization as being, you know, we need to stay away from Capsicum, basically. It was fully taken out. Now, what happens is when medications get taken off the market, there's, you know, this reason, but also they were seeing that there was a lot of addiction coming from, from Capsicum, right? It's a very, very potent amphetamine. And it's not only potent, but it, has a very fast action of onset in your brain. Meaning our brain is basically a fatty substance. We call that lipophilic. It loves, you know, it's, it's fat, right? Captagon and theophylline combined together, they enter your brain very quickly. The substance becomes psychoactive very quickly. And as I said before, it's like the atomic bomb of amphetamines in your brain, right? Now the medication also leaves it, it's, its action stops more quickly. We call that the half-life. It has a very short half-life. So we can, we can get into that a little bit more if you want to go into the half-life and sort of what we found on what, what they found in, in these terrorist pockets. I would love that. Um, I think that I remember that when they did find those bags, right? It was bags of these pills on yeah, each like handfuls, terrorist, like handfuls, handfuls. Pockets filled with Captagon pills. Right. And, and back in October when that report came out, I remember we were speaking those days like very intensely about this whole topic. And you said, well, that makes sense, right? They had plans to go all the way to Beersheba. They had plans exactly. to like take over Haifa. Like they wanted to just go all keep the way. popping these pills like indefinitely. Yeah. They're poppers. I love how you use this because it goes <laughs> way back to Nazi Germany, right? Pill poppers and uppers. Right. So, so there are a few things that were essential when we, when they found all these pills in, uh, in, in the terrorist pockets, right? If a medication has a very potent um, action and it has very short half-life, that means you need to be taking them quite frequently, right? The fact that their pills, that their pockets were filled with these pills, as you said, is that they wanted to go hard. They wanted to go fast. They wanted to go strong and they wanted to go far, right? They wanted to go much, much further than what actually happened, which so is horrific. This might be a really great point to like take a step back for a second and say, wait a second, 
why would someone want to take Captagon? Like what, what does it do for you? Like, you know, in terms of the drugs that are available to uh, Hamas terrorists to take to maybe enhance their performance, could you speak a little bit to, I guess, the effects and side effects of Captagon? I heard, yeah. I hear it Listen, guys, if you heard some background noise just now, I just want to say hats off to Alex for just being so eloquent and poised and being able to speak so knowledgeably and articulately while there's crazy drilling going on downstairs. No, this is just the Tel Aviv spirit. Oh, my God. Our official bird is a crane. (laughs) So we were about to get into... Captagon, like, what does it do? The effects, yeah. Yeah, what are the effects of this stuff? Like, what does it make you feel like? Yeah. Because I'll say that some of the media reports that I was reading were like, oh, it really like chills you out. It like pacifies you. Yeah, I read that also, which is really complete. It's a complete misrepresentation of Captagon. I want to put that out there, right? So Captagon is an amphetamine, right? Mostly an amphetamine. Theophylline is different class of medication, but they're all mixed together right? So what do amphetamines do? Normally they're used to treat ADHD. Sometimes we use very low dose amphetamines to treat older patients with a little bit of, who have a little bit of depression and after they have a stroke, right? But mostly amphetamines, they increase alertness. They basically get rid of fatigue. They give you loads and loads of energy for hours, right? Increase concentration, grandiosity, in the sense of invincibility euphoria, right? We have to talk about this, this component. It has an analgesic effect. And in, uh, you know, in regular terms, that would mean that it really sort of will numb away some pain. I'm speaking of Captagon here. And, uh, you know, you're able to go for hours without sleep, without food. It's a very strong appetite suppressant without drinking, right? It, the feelings of thirst will not you will not be cognizant of the things that your body needs to function during the intoxication of with amphetamines, with Captagon. Okay. So it's a stimulus, CNS stimulant, central nervous system stimulant. It brings things up. That's why we call them uppers, up, 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 up. But you know, Newton's third law, what does it say? Whatever comes up must come down. And the down will be very, very, very severe. Just to go back to the kind of work that I do in the Bronx, in the ER, actually in any psych ER, I'm sure it's also we see this here really sort of internationally. People who come when they're intoxicated with cocaine, first of all, lethal arrhythmias, seizures, right? Your adrenaline system is completely AWOL. Your circadian rhythms, which is sleep-wake cycles, are completely AWOL, right? Patients come in, they're acutely suicidal during their crashing phase, acutely suicidal, right? So this is not a drug that's benign, right? If the World Health Organization took it off the market, there's a pretty good reason why that happened, right? So increases alertness, increases concentration. These are very, these are the things that we see in more low doses. So I think it's important to talk about how Captagon has been described in the media. They talk about it, the Daesh drug, right? It was used, used by ISIS over 10 years ago in 2013 when they were doing public beheadings. We saw them on TV. I remember I was living in Israel when this was happening, what we saw were jihadists who were calm, right? They were focused. 
They were very calculated. It was organized, right? The Captagon was being used at a low dose. What did we see on October 7th? We, see, we saw chaos. We saw immense, horrific mutilation. We saw torture. We saw bodies being dismembered. We saw rape, right? We saw the most horrific things that any human could ever experience, right? It was inhuman what we saw, and yet humans carried this out, right? There was a dissociative component that we could see. I could see in the videos. Um, these, these people were not taking low doses of Captagon. They were taking bags and bags of Captagon. They were not sleeping for hours, maybe days. They were training. They had the capacity to become super soldiers, super fighters, super terrorists, right? A person intoxication, a Hamas terrorist being intoxicated on Captagon will turn them into a ruthless killing machine. So this is very different than what Captagon was initially marketed for in the 60s. We saw students take Captagon in the 60s at very low doses to study for tests, to study for exams. We see this internationally on college campuses. People will sell a little bit of Captagon here. Let's finish a paper. Let's stay up all night, right? But these are very low doses where you can be very focused, you can be very calm, you can crank out a paper very quickly. This is not at all what we saw. This is not at all what we saw. We saw trigger-happy monsters who were set out with one goal, which was to slaughter Israelis. Slaughter Israelis. So all this to say, it increases your physical performance, right? You become a killing machine. You can compare it to a doping agent, but I feel like it does not do it justice. It is a murderous agent. And they're using, right, Hamas terrorists are taking these drugs as a strategy. It's a new war strategy. It's a weapon of war. There is absolutely no justification that could ever be made that it would be the fault of medication. Absolutely not. They capitalize on an illicit substance, which is extremely toxic and lethal, but has immense powers to turn you into a super terrorist and a super fighting machine. When you have a goal set in mind, right, you will do anything that you can. You will put any substances in your body to enhance that goal. And this was the perfect drug for this, right? Amy, you shared with me the history of amphetamine use. We were talking about this. It was incredible, right? I mean, please jump in. You were talking about how Nazis used amphetamines during World War II, right? Like there was a lot of despair in Nazi Germany before World War II, right? Our people, uh, journalists describe German society being in moral decay, right? What do we want to give people when they're feeling despair, when there is a sense of full abandonment by society, right? When there's a cycle of addiction, you want to give people uppers, right? The uppers, the uppers, the uppers, it will increase the loop of addiction. I mean, we've, we've been having amazing, amazing conversations, right? But it is, it is really heartbreaking and horrific to see that this is a new, I mean, it's not new, I'm sorry, but what we're seeing here currently in Israel, we're seeing terrorists taking war-enhancing agents. They're, they're using every single method possible for destruction, for torture, for psychological warfare. And, you know, when I was seeing the videos, I mean, as a human, right, everyone's horrified. But when you have an explanation as to how you turn a human being into a war machine, it's even more disturbing. It's extremely disturbing. So 
you know, the ramifications of, of, of uh, Captagon, right? So as I described all these symptoms, grandiosity, invincibility, energy, it also gives you a sense of euphoria, right? We were seeing in videos on all the body cams, we were seeing terrorists laughing, smiling. And there's something that we talk about a lot in psychiatry, which is the quality of someone's smile. There's so many kinds of smiling. There's a joyful smiling, there's nervous laughter. And then there's something that we see in uh, patients with psychotic disorders. Let's say a patient with schizophrenia comes in, we call it the inappropriate smile, right? They're laughing in things that aren't funny. There's a distortion of the laughter. It's bizarre. It's odd, right? But we were seeing like Machiavellian laughter, right? This is something that to me was very quickly identifiable as someone being under the, the use of a, of, a, of a drug that will make you completely manic and psychotic. And so, you know, when I was, uh, when, when we were talking about all these things, we were reflecting on the damage that this has created and the trauma that thousands of people, that a whole nation, there's, there's a national trauma that everyone is experiencing here because this is, this is true, true. Um, I don't even have the word. There's so much I want to talk to you about, honestly, Alex. Right. Like Drugs everything, are fascinating. Everything from like the increased libido, psychotic behavior. The rapes were so severe here that they were finding they were finding dead bodies with broken pelvic bones. I mean, this is completely weapons, weapons in women's genitalia. Exactly. We're we're seeing completely unhinged, completely psychotic, barbaric, barbaric behavior. Middle here. ages, absolutely, and then. It's interesting. Like it is much more severe than a doping agent. I, you were, I guess, referring to a conversation we had earlier this week where, you know, a lot of, when we published that episode and when I was like getting really obsessed with Captagon in October, right? I was just like, oh my God, right? I was like, what the fuck? Everyone needs to know about this. Everyone like, is it in go, America? Everyone, like what's going on? Everyone needs to go into a deep dive here. Where's I mean, the drug? Um, we're not gay. We're not gatekeeping any information here because this is vital information that has been glossed over that has been minimized and that the international and general population needs to take full awareness of what's going on. For sure. And like, I'll, I'll say this, that when I started talking about it with other people, they were like, wait a second, Amy, like, are you trying to like, let these terrorists off the hook or are you, you're missing the point. The point is that there's this ideology. They've been indoctrinated. Like they have this genocidal intent so don't minimize that by talking about the drugs, which is why I'm so happy that you said, you know, it's kind of like, and, and I was calling it a doping agent basically, because I'm saying if your intent is to go out there, kill, rape, torture, behead people, and you're taking this to help you perform better, mm -hmm. essentially your performance is like, I mean, this is, this is a stellar performance enhancing drug. Top notch champion, gold medals. Exactly. Off Way the beyond. charts, right? I mean, we talked about this with uh, during the war, right? Germans were appalled initially at the use of drugs within the general population. It was highly frowned upon to take drugs when Nazis weaponized and created a psych a psychopharmacological revolution during the war. 
the only drug that slipped away from that narrative and that became actually a prized weapon of war were amphetamines. Right. We have to not forget that Nazis used amphetamines to drug their soldiers already during World War II. This is a this is, you know, internationally in every single war, people use drugs to enhance the capability of a soldier. This is widely known, right? We were talking about Sun Tzu, right, in the art of war. Except of IDF military, which not just that they don't give us drugs, if they find you do something, but I don't speak about like heavy stuff, cocaine or LSD, they literally uh, take a urine drug test about weed, which I can understand how weed don't go hand in hand with like fighting or be, I don't know, Um, capable of doing like military tests. Very, very poor choice. Very poor choice for him. But for give us something. A little bit cocaine, <laughs> ketamine. I, I gave three years of my life. Wait, wait. Okay. Shame on you. Tzal. <laughs> Busha. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on. Everyone just uh, hold the phone for a second. So first of all, I just want to make the point very clear that nothing... Nothing in this episode, nothing in episode 11 is there with us trying to be like, oh, let the monsters off the hook. They were taking drugs. They didn't know what they were doing. No. If you want to kill a bunch of people, torture them, do all this crazy shit, and then you take a drug to do all those things better, that is evidence and demonstrates intent more than the absence of intent. That is what we're saying. Let's be clear. Violation of international law. violation of human rights, savagery. This is, this is nothing but all these things. I want to talk about Nazi Germany for a second. That amphetamine was called pervidin. And it's really fascinating because obviously, let's talk about Hitler for a second. So Hitler- How can we not? Hitler was super anti-drugs, okay? So imagine it's the 1920s and the Weimar Republic before the Nazis take over. There were a lot of drugs and 40% of morphine production in the world was produced in Germany in the interwar period. And Hitler had this really anti-drug platform. Let's remember they had just come out of World War I. Right. There But was a lot of despair. German, German morphine production was really like through the roof in the 20s and the world was relying on it. And then... Hitler comes to power on this like anti-drug platform. And this is like a really interesting little side note. So his photographer and good friend had this like celeb doctor called Theodore Morell. And one night Hitler goes over there for dinner to like his photographer friend's house and Morell is over there. And Hitler is just like telling him about his like stomach issues. Like it's so, it's so weird that like he quote unquote, wasn't Jewish. He was probably like an eighth Jewish himself. He had all these like intestinal GI issues. Like, <laughs> and he's telling this quack doctor and this doctor's like, wait, I'm going to hook it up for you. And he tells Hitler that he's like giving him a bunch of like bacterial strains and all sorts of stuff. And Hitler starts feeling better. Later, it's revealed that he was probably giving Hitler meth, amphetamines. And Hitler became like really hooked on this stuff. towards the end of Hitler's life. But you know, when he commits suicide in that bunker, his like teeth are rotting. The dude is like shaking all the time. He's like- Well, actually acute withdrawal symptoms of any amphetamines acute. is- Because by the end of the war, guess what he couldn't get? He couldn't re-up his personal drug supply. Like they were fucked. But in between those years, between that meeting with Morel 
and the end of Hitler's life, this drug, Pervidin, is manufactured. It's on billboards. They're forcing, they're requiring their soldiers to take this stuff. And a lot of like military historians say that without this drug, the Nazis wouldn't have advanced as far as they did. Like they might not have won in 1939. Like when they invaded Poland, they might not have won that battle. They might not have succeeded in the early forties. Like we don't know what would have happened in world war II without this drug essentially is what I understand, which is pretty fucking massive. And this drug was so important that they were actually experimenting on inmates at their concentration camps. Nazi researchers were using concentration camp inmates to test a cocaine-based wonder drug. It was called DIX. It was a mix of cocaine, the amphetamine pervidin, and a morphine-related painkiller. And they were basically like forcing the inmates to carry like 20 kilos on their backs and march for like 55 miles. Like crazy stuff. Like they knew how much drugs were important for their advancement. It's crazy because I'd love for you to speak on this. Everything has a cost, right? Like what you said, Newton, everything that comes up must come down. One interview that I read with Norman Oller, who wrote um, Blitz, Drugs in the Third Reich, he said, you know, I wouldn't suggest taking this stuff long-term because if you take this long-term, like, you know, terrorists could be dying of heart attacks on the field. They're going to burn out, et cetera. But he said that if I was in a, if I was the dictator of a small country that was going to attack an advanced army, I'd absolutely make them take this shit because it's not going to be such a long campaign. Like if this campaign gets longer, which had me thinking this morning, you know, this drive to do a ceasefire or these like pauses in the fighting since day one, is that so that these fighters who are like fucked up on Captagon could theoretically like have a break so that their bodies can like readjust so that they can like take more for like five days on end and then take another break. And then is that part of this possibly? You know, you're describing things that are, you know, do you so want to have theoretical, a, a like career so switch, career switch, come become a psychiatrist <laughs> with me. Okay. So I was going this, uh, going over this earlier, right? Which is the, why was Captagon taken off the, the market? It was created by an official German psychopharmacoops, you know, pharmaceutical company in the sixties. Very quickly, they saw arrhythmias, lethal arrhythmias. So people dropping dead from heart attacks. They saw seizures, right? They saw um, inability to then rest, right? It screws up your circadian rhythm. You're awake for hours. No body is able to function on very little hours of sleep for days, right? The crashing of being on an amphetamine, which is, by the way, cocaine is an amphetamine, right? Captagon is a synthetic amphetamine. Cocaine from the co come from the coca leaf, right? It takes time to make uh, to grow plants, and it's expensive to grow plants. Captagon is a synthetic amphetamine. It costs nothing to produce, 50 cents. We'll get to that in a second. But the side effects of chronic use of any kind of amphetamine use disorder are severe depression, lethargy, sleep abnormalities, uh, acute suicidality. You know, we see this in the ER when patients come in and they're intoxicated with cocaine. They crash. Once, once the body, as the body is exiting their drug, they're sleeping for hours. They're ravenously hungry, right? They're acutely suicidal. We have to put them on suicide watch sometimes for days, right? Sometimes we have to hospitalize them on inpatient psych units against their, against their will. I think it's important right now to talk about 
quickly the drug trade. This has been widely covered in the media, but one, you know, Amy and I, we've been talking about, you know, what are the things that have been distilled down? What are the things that haven't been really put forward in the narrative about this weapon of war? Um, Captagon is mostly a Middle Eastern, South, Southern Europe drug. We know we look at the drug international trade, which I've also been interested in, and everyone has their turf, right? Latin America, America, one turf, uh, Middle East, another turf, right? Captagon was skyrocketed around 2013 when ISIS really became, uh, when, when ISIS really blew up in Syria, right? A lot of the Captagon labs are scattered along the Lebanese and Syrian border. Now, interestingly, Hezbollah has misused and also abuses Captagon, but there's this turf between I'm going to steal your Captagon lab and then they're going to relocate a few miles ahead or north or east or south, right? Once the Captagon is produced, by the way, every single illicit substances needs raw materials. If there's a shortage of raw materials, you do not know what Captagon, what there is in the Captagon. So here we're talking about a drug that's been created in a German lab, right? So controlled. Um, it's been basically there's a protocol. You're trying to your your every pill has to contain the same amount of substances. It has to have a you know pr um, predictable outcome. Here we're talking about the illicit drug trade. There's many fillers. They they have found trace heavy metals in counterfeit capsicum, zinc, nickel, right? Um, they found other kinds of toxic substances that will stay in your brain for life, right? Let's heavy metals are basically stay in your brain for life, right? They, they, uh, it's, they're, they're very dangerous. So anyway, they're made, they're made up there, right? Where, how do, how do they even get to the Gaza Strip, right? It's, it's not super close. They're sold, um, they're sold to drug dealers. They cross Jordan. And then there's this kind of splitting in the routes. One route goes to Saudi Arabia. And actually a lot of the very affluent uh, communities in Saudi Arabia, they party with Captagon, but again, low doses, sense of euphoria, invincibility, right? Think about what people look like when they're on cocaine. They're not the most, they're not the friendliest people out there. Let's say a lot of ego, uh, you know, personality disordered ego traits come out, not the friendliest people, not the most sensitive uh, people out there, but you have a good time. You mix it with other drugs, with alcohol, with other synthetics that we can, you know, we could spend hours talking about. Uh, Captagon pill in uh, in the U in in Saudi Arabia goes for twenty dollars. That's so much money. If a synthetic drug costs less than a dollar fifty cents to create, the profit is immense. The profit is you know this is a multi multi billion dollar thirty billion dollar drug uh, drug industry. Uh, the entire Captagon business in in uh, in Syria is estimated to be three times greater than the entire Mexican drug cartel. I mean, really, where have we been? Why is the world focusing on Latin America? Come here, like open your eyes, right? So anyway, that's one route. The other route is that it goes through Jordan, gets to the West Bank, and then it actually crosses Israel, right? It has to get to the Strip. It has to get to the Strip. How does it enter the Strip? Well, Captagon is odorless, right? So any kind of a flower, like a THC flower, these things, they, they smell very, very strongly. So dogs can, can pick up these drugs, but, but when you have a little pill that is odorless, it's very small. They have found, uh, they have seized, you know, millions of pills of Captagon that are hidden in appliances, in fruit cartels, like a lot of lemons. That's also a different, <laughs> so many, so many branches here, fruit, um, fruit shipments, appliances, fridges, 
building materials. They had seized a Captagon uh, shipment that was in wood, right? There was like a wood, uh, a, a wood stock coming into, coming into Gaza and they found millions of Captagon pills. They're very hard to, to stop. It's very, it's, it's very hard to stop. And, you know, I think the government is trying to do everything and it's, oh, well now we have uh, an area. We have siren. a little we'll be break. Back. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Alex, you're getting the whole experience. Where do we go? We're going next door to you really gonna you have the key? Yes, so visit zavjewelry.com and that's jewelry with one L. J-E-W-E-L-R-Y Zahav Z-A-H-A-V That would have made more sense for me to spell those in order but uh, what? This is new to you. Do I do everything in the right order? I don't. Use discount code DOOR24 D-O-R-24 for an additional 35% off your entire order and the fine folk over at Zahav will throw in a free pair of 14 karat gold earrings? What are you waiting for? This might be a good time to start talking about the meaning of Dora's name. Sit tight, we'll speak about it in the next episode. Whew. Running up the stairs, running down the stairs, going to the... We have 10 minutes. I mean, obviously, we could do this for hours. We could have a whole podcast series. I would love that. Where Alex and I chop it up, talk about illicit drugs. That was a really bad joke. That was a really dark joke. Which one? Chop it up. Oh, fuck. But that's not, I, that's not a joke. That's how I talk about like talking about stuff. I met a yeah. guy in New York last year and he was like, oh, I love chopping it up with you. Ch- like chopping a salad, you know, like we're talking... And it was, I wasn't, now you ruined Chop It Up for me, Alex. Great. <laughs> You'll find more. You're, you're one of the wittiest people I know. I, I love that phrase. Anyway, so we have 10 minutes because- uh, Let's talk about the uh, analgesic effects. They're drilling downstairs. They're, they're drilling. Drill. There's, a, there's a siren. It's, it's like it's your natural sugar, break. basically. Let's talk about the analgesic effects quickly about Capticon. That would be great. Right? So, uh, okay. Analgesia is a big medical fancy word. Let's, let's stay away from those. Basically, Capticon at very high doses um, desensitizes your body to pain, Right. So this is also a fantastic agent if you want to be extremely violent and you have uh, wounds. Let's say you're being shot in the leg, but you're still running, right? There's a dissociative effect. There's lack of pain and you're able to keep going harder, longer, faster, stronger. This is also just uh, really just a brutalizing realization, you know? It's it's completely wild. I want to, with some of the time that we have remaining and hostages. You wanted to talk about hostages. I wanted to mention before about the Syrian drug trade really quickly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many, there's so many points to be made here, but one of them is like Assad's brother is running this, like these drug labs. It's crazy. It's like how they saw at Shifa that like downstairs in the basement, it's like a terror complex. Like from what I was reading online, it was like, they'll have like military posts or offices, like official government agencies where there are like Captagon labs inside the buildings. So, you know, why are we holding these people up to the moral standards of humanity? This is moral decay. And speaking of, there's another dark aspect of drugs coming into play in the Hamas-Israel ongoing war. Reports coming out that doctors believe that 
Hamas were giving benzos like Valium to some of the hostages, reports that minors, young girls were being given ketamine, mm-hmm. um, that they were being given tranquilizer pills, clonopin, mm-hmm. uh, Rivotril um, from the clonazepam family upon their release. I was wondering if you could speak to some of this just a bit. Sure. So you mentioned a few names of drugs that are actually part of the the same category. You mentioned Valium, you mentioned Clonix. These are all part of the category of benzodiazepines. So we, we talked about Captagon being an upper. It's a central nervous system stimulant. Those are the downers. Benzodiazepines are downers, similar to alcohol, actually. They affect different neurotransmitters in the brain. Captagon is mostly a dopaminergic agent. Right? We know dopamine. It's like people people are obsessed with dopamine love, excitability, right? And then the extremes we see in Captagon. But benzodiazepines are GABA and it's an inhibitory neurotransmitter in the brain, right? Misusing benzodiazepines is very dangerous in a person who has not slept in weeks, who has suffered from severe malnutrition, who has been subject to trauma, rape, right? It causes full dissociation, sedation. You can overdose on benzos and cause respiratory arrest, meaning you die right? You die. We're seeing, we're seeing hostages come out of the the strip being told, you know, you must wave all these sort of like fooleries, fooleries. Who are we? Clowns? No. Patients were sedated and some patients to go back to the inappropriate laughter. I'm sure these patients, these, uh, these hostages were given other substances, right? On Utox's urine drug test that you were talking about, Doh, there's, there aren't all the substances that one can ingest in your body to test for, right? We usually test for cocaine. We test for heroin, like opiates. We test for amphetamines, cocaine, crystal meth, PCP. We don't necessarily test for ketamine. Ketamine is also very short acting, right? But we do see loopiness, smiling, giggling, right? A lot of these things we saw when the hostages were released, right? This is something that that has to, you know, I'm, I'm not a physician in Israel yet, but, but more reports are going to come out. You know, the the chair, chairwoman at Ichilov, beautiful article, Renana Eitan, she was talking about, you know, um, hostages being given ketamine for weeks. Why would someone give ketamine for weeks if you were going to severely rape someone, right? You want them to be completely dissociated. I mean, and it's just just like the most horrific things that uh, anyone can can think about, right? So we're in a position where, you know, sort of we're witnessing drugs used as weapons of war, which had been done in the past, right? During World War II. It's being used now. It has, it will not stop to be continued. And this is the beast that we're against. I'm just completely blown away by how poised and articulate. And I can feel as we're talking in this part, after coming back upstairs from the air raid siren, I can feel my heart kind of racing and I'm, I'm kind of counting breaths to calm myself down. And, you know, we've been here for this entire time. I can't imagine that this is easy for you. Like you just landed a few days ago. And I remember one of those conversations that we had at the beginning where we were talking about the effects of trauma on telomeres. Am I pronouncing that correctly? That's the best word. It's a great word. Telomeres. 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 And I was wondering if you could speak to that a bit, because I shared with you at our coffee this morning, how, how hurtful it was to, um, the first week when, you know, a lot of us have experienced that fallout with our friends and mm. people that, well, ex-friends now. But I remember that first week I, I reached out to someone who we had been in very close touch. And I said something like, um, did you forget where I live? You know, and he said, 
well, you know, I, uh, I see that you're posting on Instagram, so you, you must be safe. And I'd love if we could just unpack safety for a second and just like trauma. And obviously like, I feel super blessed that none of the laundry list of completely horrifying things have happened Mm -hmm. to me. And I do Mm -hmm. feel safe in that regard, but I don't feel particularly safe. And I, and I know about epigenetics traumas, not as much as you do, obviously, but I was wondering if you could speak to that for a bit, like to kind of dispel that myth that if, if you're not being shot or impaled or raped, that you're somehow safe while like living in this, because from what I understand, these telomeres are getting shortened, which is basically reducing our lifespans. It's reducing our ability to fight cancer, et cetera. You know, I was wondering, you, we have a doctor in the house and I'd love to take advantage, you know, so. This is a whole new topic in a whole new world, like sequel part two. Um, a brief, I, I'm, I hope I can answer. This is such a such a rich question, such a complicated question. You know, we, we could be given grand rounds in hospitals, in academic centers, grand rounds on trauma in the body. So I'm sorry to, to be distilling such complex information in just a few, just a few uh, sent minutes and sentences. But the main gist is that our bodies remember trauma, our bodies, right? So things that are beyond words. And why does this happen? Because we have two little caps, kind of like caps that you have on your pencil that are protecting, their, their role is to protect your DNA, right? We have a DNA at certain, certain lengths. Uh, would love to have a molecular biologist tell me the exact length of a, of a fragment of DNA. But these little caps are there to protect your DNA. And as we age, actually, without any trauma, just the natural process of aging, your telomeres get a little bit shorter. But in research in the past few decades, the scientific community has also discovered that trauma will shorten your telomeres. So you have these little caps that are supposed to be protecting your DNA that are falling off, literally. Actually, trauma surgeons have shorter half-lives, have shorter lives because they have shortened telomeres. I mean, mind-blowing, all right? Um, you know, Kodakevo to them for, for doing this, this, uh, this work. Um, okay. So we're seeing a lot of, you know, there are epigenetic changes in trauma. Our bodies, remember, we have different genes that are switched on different genes that are switched off. We have increased rates of, uh, first break psychosis and psychotic disorders in the first generation, the first offspring of Holocaust survivors. I had studied this for a different project when I was in residency. I got really interested in that right now, your body's remembering, right? all these symptoms of trauma. And I, I want to say like everyone in this conflict is experiencing trauma. Everyone's body is hypervigilant, is on sympathetic overdrive, meaning, you know, your sympathetic nervous system, fight, flight, hypervigilance, protection, survival instinct. Everyone in this war right now is being affected. And this is, this is what you're experiencing right now. We just had a, we just had a siren and you've had so many since the beginning of the war. And this is, this is your body telling you, I need a rest. I need a rest. I need to, to, I need peace, right? Our bodies are signaling this to us all the time. Let's have another sequel. This is, this is a whole other topic, but I appreciate your curiosity. You and I really appreciate your curiosity. Information needs to get out to the general public and many physicians in the medical community want to share. We want to share, right? We have information, we have understandings of, um, you know, medications, treatments, pathologies. Let's share more. People need to, people are curious and want to know, and we're here to help.
Alex, I want to thank you so much for coming in today and for sharing so much of this knowledge and for doing it. I mean, between the drilling and the air raid sirens and me being all over the place. And it's a lot of food for thought about the asymmetries. Mm -hmm. I can't, I, I can't stop thinking about the Nova festival, the asymmetry mm -hmm. there yeah. between the substances that so many festival goers were on that were just open and expansive and connecting them yeah. to the higher powers, to humanity, to the universe through time versus these ruthless killing machines that have been, they're just really inhuman and barbaric as you so articulately described earlier. And thank you. No, thank you. We're going to thank each other back and forth for, yeah, like, for hours now. Do you remember now. Chip and Dale? The yeah. rest, do you remember? They were like, no, after you, no, after you. Like the cutest little chipmunks <laughs> or squirrels. Were they squirrels or chipmunks? Chipmunks. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for having me. There's, it is a lot of information to take in. And I'm sure you'll get a lot of questions. Happy to continue trying to answer them. Also want to put it out there that as time unfolds, we are learning more information, right? And we're going to keep learning more information. We have to continue to stay curious about this topic. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much. We didn't hear the word thanks enough. I would say like, this been a, <laughs> I feel the substance of just sitting here and hear you guys. You look alike, you speak very fast. I, I don't understand uh, the language even though I speak English, but uh, it was a hell of a ride. Thank you so much for joining us on this hell of a ride slash episode. If you enjoyed this conversation and you want to stay connected, there's a few ways you can do that. You can follow us on Instagram, October 7th, a podcast. You can also consider becoming a patron over on Patreon, October 7th, a podcast, or you can shoot us an email at October 7th, a podcast at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts, questions, want to just say hi, we love hearing from our listeners. Your feedback means the world to us. I want to thank Shema Productions, Jonathan Gall, Maya Schlesinger, Dor Comet, our very special guest, Alex Ivanchik. I'm Amy Sapan. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned. Stay tuned.